When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This show is brought to you in association with Labbrooks for all your betting needs. With a new site design and great prices, it's our preferred bookie. New members can get a free match bet up to £50 when you sign up and use the code LAD50. Check on site for details at labbrooks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that hasn't been going for as long as the Queen, it just feels like that. This week on Heart and Hand, magic hats and apologies. So welcome to Heart and Hand Needs Podcast, my name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always and I'm joined this week by the Lord of Livingston, the Laird, the man himself, yes it's Cameron James Bell. Hi David. How are we? I'm good, I'm good my friend, I'm good, I'm not quite as sprightly as Her Majesty the Queen. No, uh, no. But still, uh, still loving life. No, uh, a feminist icon according to, to Telegraph today. Well, if you haven't bashed one out to the Queen, you're not really a man. Mm, so absolutely. Paul McCartney said the Beatles used to have wanking circles in which they would shout out a name and it would be like, you know, a star at the time. And then somebody would shout out the Queen and they would all continue. <laughs> I thought you were going to say simultaneously ejaculate there, but uh, that, obviously, you obviously know. they're scousers at heart, David. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, where else, Cammy, do you get wanking Beatles within the first two minutes of the show? Only in this, only in this podcast. Who would talk about the Rolling Stones playing Soggy Biscuit? No one. No one. Just us. Just us. Right. We will come later on. The reason that Cammy demanded to be let on the pod this week was longer term listeners will know his fixation with Kyle Lafferty. But we will come to that. But Cammy, you are a sexy mofo, right? I am a sexy mofo. Yeah. And both of us. We'd have to take a wee step back and say that what we witnessed at Ibrox on Saturday during Rangers' demolition of Wraith Rovers was basically pure sexual intercourse. I think it got to the stage, David, and it's getting more and more like this now, that rather than playing games across a season, I think that we should petition uh, the SFA that we have a Royal Rumble type of, of ongoing games where... At the end of the game, a klaxon or a buzzer goes, and then the next team come on the pass. <laughs> and then we can just do that, because let's face it, everyone leaving Ibrox after watching that game wanted the next the next game to come around as soon as possible. If you could have a pee break, and then the next game, everyone in the stadium would have taken it. Ah, you're absolutely right. The club could make a fortune. They could be selling food 
all night up until we, it's time to go home. It was it was that good, and it was at the end of the match when people were leaving. They were going oh, seven days to get to watch Rangers again. It's it's a magnificent feeling. It's a fairly alien one. Uh, it's been a long time since we played like this. You can't say played like that, like it was a one-off. It's played like this, this ongoing, this fantastic ongoing. I was going to say run, but that indicates a level of luck. It's not luck. It's what the guy works for. It's what the magic hat does. He gets it's, his team prepared. It's, and, not, it's not luck. And, and the, the, thing that, the thing that I love more than anything else, I know that some people have said it on social media and what have you, is that even when you listen to Warburton after the game and he does his post-match debrief and stuff, is he'll always think of something relatively constructive to work on. And the amount of times where if we've conceded a goal, but yet still had a, a two, three, or four clear goal margin, but not kept a clean sheet, it's almost as if that's what he looks at. So it's not as if, like previous managers, who would have turned around and went, everyone was magnificent, uh, we got a touch of luck. No, he knows that we're capable of getting those results week in, week out. And, and his immediate post-mortem is something didn't go to plan because we planned to score that many goals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a definite element of... I don't expect you to go out there and win one nil or two nil, and that's enough. I mean, great if we do it. But he said after the Hibs match that we're not the side that will go. Well, we won, and that's all that matters. I was talking to an employee at Rangers this week, and he said that Warburton stresses even to the staff at Ibrox the key phrase is "send them home happy." It's been put up on a sign in the dressing room, so the players are always aware of it. It's up at Murray Park. It's not just a phrase that he spins out for the media. It is apparently the core of his footballing ethos is send them home happy. And it comes from, because we have this guy who's this strange mixture of businessman and football coach. And he is well aware of the fact that increasingly other people, uh, uh, football fans have got other leisure options. It's not like even 20 years ago, it's not especially like 30, 40 years ago when you basically worked all week, went to the pub and then watched your team, that was it. You know, women watched soaps, men went to football. There's a lot more out there and if it's not entertaining, then people will will walk away from it. But that said, every manager I'm sure strives for entertainment. It's not quite as easy to deliver what Rangers are delivering. I think... think I think a lot of managers would, would say results or three points or whatever, that's paramount. And almost, and, and if you want to be entertained afterwards, then that's, a, that's a, a fortunate byproduct, if you will. But he seems to have the, the desired result, whether it's, whether it's a three points or qualification into the next round of a cup tournament or whatever, on a par with a level of entertainment. He believes that, that it's so important to the fans, and let's not kid ourselves, the players, because the players are performing their jobs now with a huge smile on their face. Yeah, they are. That everybody is bought in and invested in that ethos. And that's what it had to be, because it's, it's been really entertaining for me to see that from someone who, by and large, was an outsider. It's not as if Warburton was in Scotland beforehand and had first-hand knowledge and experience of how utter shite Rangers were beforehand and where the general atmosphere of the club was. He's just He's probably seen it and he's probably had a bit of a taste of it and he's completely revamped it. It's not as if he's come in from another team in Scotland and said, I know that the first thing we'll have to do there is give everyone a, 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 a bit of a G up. He's come in and just said, no, this is how we're doing it. Irrespective of previous performances or, or atmospheres or how you know the fans have been feeling, 
this is what I believe in, and he's taking everyone on that journey with him. I genuinely don't think he cares what what happened before. I, I genuinely. I don't think he does either. But the thing is that it's all about him. That's to our that's to our benefit because some managers might focus on that had they known about it previously with a blank sheet of paper. And he said, that, "No, this is what I want to do." I, I'd be curious to know. And I don't know if we'll ever find this out. If, if he if he cultivated that even from his interview process. If he, if he came in to an interview and said, this is what I want to do, this is what I think Rangers can be, and, and everyone got on board with that, even from his, even from his, his initial recruitment? I, I think so, because I know that there were two schools of thought uh, on the Rangers board. Firstly, I think it's common knowledge that had we been promoted, uh, the, the Portuguese fellow from Olympiacos was going to take over. Yeah. And I, I think we know that. It's, it's almost a matter of, of public record. Uh, I think then that there were two schools of thought on the Rangers board uh, and people might know who who did it. It's rumoured, I'm not going to say, that, that Dave King's first option was McLeish and Ray and Paul Murray and John Gilligan's preferred option were, uh, was Warburton and Weir. Now, I think had McLeish... Now, people can say about McLeish, he's this or that. For Rangers to have got out McLeish in the the position that we're in he's not going to take anybody else's job in the Scottish First Division is he let's be honest uh, he, and he would have done fine he would have got us promoted at a canter uh, incidentally I believe Stuart McCall would have got us promoted at a canter but we wouldn't have had this this rebirth this this thing where the, the guy has taken the club and shaken every aspect of it when you're at Ibrox the staff are walking about with huge smiles on their faces the, the players have bought into this. They're new to the club. They're new to Scotland. It's not the same old faces. We've completely swept off the table, business as usual, and it's it's the biggest wholesale change at Rangers since Sunas. It, it's it, yeah, you're absolutely right. I just think that it, it's just so refreshing. It, it, it's so and, and obviously, as we've said there, it's tangible, but it's just so refreshing to have that change where you, we we love a moan absolutely even even. Broader than Rangers fans as a society in Scotland, love a moan. And, and in this, in actual fact, I think, I mean, I'm talking to Rangers fans who, who are almost feeling as if they don't know what to do because they've got nothing to moan about. No, no. They're actually thinking, oh, we've scored a goal, or they, you know, and, that, and that's almost as heavy a criticism as you can give this team at the moment. And it's just a great wave to be to be riding on, as the saying, <laughs> as the saying goes, you know. Yeah, uh, Saturday, Nathan Adua. Now, Nathan the is raw. He's a raw talent, and he'll have games where he does nothing. But he is a talent. The two runs he did, you can either do that or you can't. With, with all due respect to football coaches and guys who work hard, you either have the instinct to move your feet, the, the little quick touches to take him away, and you can either do that or you can't. Now, his two runs on Saturday, Cammy, were genuine... Oh my God, did you just see that? Turning round, the whole stadium was looking at each other, just going, did you see that? was amazing. And then he did it again, 10 minutes later. I mean, just unbelievable. The, the, the thing I love about this is, let's say, let's go back to that nonsensical, you know, circumstance from Aloha around, you know, you can't be disrespectful to people. And all oh, that he disrespected the fuck out of them on Saturday, can he? I, I, and and the, the, but the thing is, though, that if you... So, I, I don't know, obviously, I know that you're across social media and obviously part of the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So, you'll have seen on, on, on various social media platforms, actually, um, that even 
um, like guys like Paddy Power and Bennett365, like they're all picking up in this. Now, previously, what would Scotland have had to do to get on that radar? Whereas in actual fact, they're just showing this awesome pieces. It was in Soccer AM. Yeah. So I'd love to know when the last time was that we had a, any club in Scotland on that in that capacity and getting that level of awareness. So it's phenomenal to disrespect people, but in actual fact, what we're really doing here is we are promoting a brand. And I think genuinely Scottish football should be very appreciative of the fact that he's here to do that. Yeah, look, see if you're phoning all up and you're going out to the corner and doing keepy-uppies and sitting on the ball, you're taking the piss. See if you're doing this stuff to try and score goals, which he is. I don't think it's taking the piss, I think it's just using skill. And the way that you show that you're not happy with him is to win the ball off him. When he does something stupid, or what you perceive to be stupid, when he does something that you perceive to be taking the piss, win the tackle. So it's not just win the tackle, it's it's try and do your best to stop him, because ultimately you can't, and it doesn't matter if he absolutely skins you for pace, nutmegs you, rainbow flips the ball over your head. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I just think that the guy... Is so switched on at the moment. I think that he's he's loving life. He's no difference whatsoever. He will beat you, and he will go to where he wants to go to. Now, Cammy, I say a lot of things about you. I say that you're uh, big boned. I say that you were forced to move out of Scotland because of an impending scandal we don't talk about, and that's why you've ended up in this living Stonia or whatever it is you live in. I say that you are partly behind the no vote because you work for MI5 and uh, affected the ballot boxes. In short, I say a lot of things about you, but I do admit you can sometimes spot a player. Gideon Zellalem, you must be sex-weeing in your pants about him. Uh, the guy's awesome, and it, it, it's amazing. That, I'll be honest with you, we're, we're, we're hugely fortunate that we've landed him. Uh, when, when there was talk of us being able to try and sign him, um, the guy... It's still in one of the hottest um, regards in terms of the, the, the guys of that age group down in England. And um, I thought that we would probably really struggle to, to, to get them to come up here. And maybe Warburton was, was taking a bit of a punt in terms of even considering signing him. However, uh, when we got him and he was, able to, he was able to start showing off what he can do, the guy's living up to every single inch of that reputation. From a technical point of view he seems to have that little extra bit of time. I, I don't remember anybody closing him down so far. Um, he, he always seems to be available. I think I think that's a trademark of any of any great player, that it makes it look that no matter how hectic or how fast the game is, they, they make it look as if they're having a walk in the park. They can make it look as if they can start to dictate pace, that they don't feel flustered or in like And... He, he reminds the certain parts of it in terms of when he receives the ball and how he's always available to get it. Reminds me a bit of Gascoigne. Reminds me a bit of, of peak level Barry Ferguson, for example, where he was always looked to be to, to receive the ball, but as soon as he got it, he was able to, to to do something fairly damaging with it as well, but make it look so simple that he never looked as if he was getting bent out of shape at all. That's a noticeable thing for me about the whole team is having watched. Rangers, you know, the last couple of years especially, but, you know, going back a bit longer, but certainly the last couple of years, where basics looked quite suspect, and it's not being unfair to say that. Things like trapping the ball, controlling, basic passing, square balls, we struggled with really badly at times. 
every one of that team can control a pass and not only that they don't have to look down control pass look up look for a pass it's the ball's under control they're looking for a pass the pass is gone and that being replicated right across the field is speeding up our play We've got this fantastic thing, we did it again on Saturday, where we pass from side to side, but it's not just aimless, it's not in front of defence, it's going in at them, it's probing. They must be knackered playing us. There's another aspect to that as well, David, where I think you and I had spoken about it before, but it's becoming more and more evident as we get more games under our belt. It's the variety of passing in terms of short and also long balls. So I get that sometimes it can be quite derogatory to talk about long balls, when, uh, when you think it's just a hoof up the park and all that kind of stuff. But if you genuinely think about some, some of the range of passing that our players are now capable of producing, if you're talking about a 10-yard pass or a 70-yard pass, as soon as that ball leaves feet, that player, the receiving player, and almost everyone watching it is is comfortable that it will be controlled and it will be received properly to where it should be. And the guys running are on their bike. Yeah, and, and that's where we're, we're pressing forward with it. We spoke before about obviously Waghorn being quite versatile in terms of what he's doing up front, but the support that he receives, not least obviously from the fullback backs, for example, but the, 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 the support that he receives means that even if he does have to take a long ball, uncharacteristically take a couple of touches to control it, he knows that he'll immediately get support to help him. Um, if he gets into a bit of trouble Cami on Saturday there were times that every time one of our front, uh, front players had the ball or midfield there was three or four guys showing for it and that really wasn't the case last year guys were hiding but that's probably I think that's probably where they've got that element of freedom to move further forward with it listen don't, let, let, let's be honest alright and listen it's great being on that crest of a wave and all that kind of stuff but where the difference is that these fullbacks are bombing forwards because they know that they'll get a great opportunity to potentially nip a goal or get an assist or whatever else as well. Whereas last season, it even felt like a chore turning up to the stadium for some of these players, <laughs> much less actually playing the game. Uh, so, so confidence was zero, energy was zero, imagination and creativity zero. Whereas these players are, 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 are really going for it. And probably apart from Fotheringham, there's no one else in that team in an outfield position that probably thinks that he can't get a goal at some point. No, well, I'm nine goals from fullback already. It's just, it's just ludicrous. I mean, that is just ludicrous to have nine goals from fullback by September. I think Wraith played into our hands slightly by uh, playing John Daly up front. Now, I, you know, would would exempt John Daly from a lot of criticism. When we signed for him, he was done, and he was then played into the ground. But I thought you at least got what he could give you uh, in his time at Rangers. But he can't move. I mean, he, he just can't move. He has no mobility at all. So to play him as your one man up front against us meant the two centre-halves went, right, we'll watch him. On you two go. We were playing effectively a 2-4-4. Which is, which is fine when, when if you're trying to, to, to hit up to, to a dead body and go and support them, then you'll need legs for that. You'll need a lot of energy to do it, which will certainly be difficult when you're the away team at Ibrox. But when you have, have full-backs running at you, the extent that ours do... Your work rate is going to double just via your bread and butter, via your marking. So what will then happen is if you have to run forward to support that guy. You're out of breath every time you cross a halfway line. Yeah. Because you're doing so much work having to track these fullbacks coming into the byline that, I mean, what, what else are you possibly going to do? Yeah. So we're running them into the ground at some point, do you know what I mean? No, it's, it's great to see. Now, there was a quite bizarre incident last week where Wraith Rovers... Um, through their chief executive Eric Drysdale 
who seems a strange little man, but uh, he contacted, well, he put a press release, in fact, saying that they contacted the SFA to ask if specifically David Weir had breached SFA regulations by asking for the release of Ryan Hardy uh, from Scotland under 20 duty, or was it under 19, I believe? Under 19. Under 19. Um, and while they had a player who was on, on duty with Scotland. Now, on the surface, you say, God, that does seem a bit weird that the SFA have released their player but not theirs. Well, then you find out that the SFA, in fact, offered to release both players to the club. Uh, Rangers took them up on it. Wraith didn't. Um, Now, I'm not entirely sure why that was our fault and what rule Wraith thought we were breaking. So presumably it's a little, a little bit of a kind of clutching at straws from Wraith. I, I felt I felt it, it smacked at eightiness, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I, I'm quite a firm believer that there should always be a, a very healthy club to international relationship and back and forth, so that you talk about duty of care for players and all that. And from what, what and there's no there's no real concrete evidence for this, but from what I'm led to believe, the Weir was Weir was effectively made aware that um, Hardy was likely to be to be I mean to be unused. So what then happened was he was then offered the opportunity to take him back so that he could come back to Rangers and obviously carry on training with us because he wasn't likely to be involved. And I believe that they had done that with another couple of clubs as well. Wraith, as you point out, being one of them. Whether or not Rafe then thought their player wasn't going to be involved in the game against us or whatever, I don't know. Obviously, you know, Hardy came on as a substitute at Ibrox. Um, but <laughs> a flu epidemic aside, Hardy was never going to start that game. No. Uh, so quite why Rafe have got such a bean or bonnet about it, I've got no idea. Because whether, this is going to sound really blase, but whether Hardy been involved or not, I'm quite confident we'd have got a win. Oh yeah, I mean, with all due respect to Ryan Hardy, who I hope goes on to be a super player for Rangers, he was the least of their fucking worries. Exactly. I mean, if, if <laughs> and again, like I said, I don't want to start categorising them, and I suppose that this is great for us, because I can't, I couldn't tell you, if the season finished tomorrow, I couldn't tell you who our player of the season is at the moment. I couldn't, because there's so many of them, you can make so many arguments for so many. Uh, Taveni has obviously got a great shout in for that as well, but he's like one of your key the guy's a fullback. Yeah, Andy Haller, David, I mean? be up there. Uh, I think that Barry Mackay would would certainly be up there. Yeah, totally agree. And, and this is why I mean, ask five Rangers fans, you'll get five different answers. It's yeah. brilliant. But this is why you can't just single it down into a complaint about one individual player. No, it was it was a bizarre thing. The thing is, Wraith have got previous, of course. You know, Turnbull Hutton, uh, their their former. Uh, whatever he was chief executive I don't know um, just seemed to hate Rangers and some bizarre bizarre things about him and it was kind of well known that uh, Turnbull Hutton and Derek Drysdale had a relationship with uh, certain internet trolls uh, and, and bloggers and there, there's some weird hatred of Rangers that I don't really get the Wraith the, the because yeah, I thought we always had a pretty decent relationship with Wraith certainly my time you know the whole 94 League Cup final against Celtic and stuff uh, I don't Jimmy Nickel you know I, I, yeah. I, I don't recall it being that there's a lot of bears from Fife maybe it's something to do with that I don't know but it just shows you the level that people will stoop to to indulge in their hatred of Rangers and it's it's tragic but I did like the fact that the club fought back 
um, with a statement where they said, you know, they're just besmirching the honour of... And I like the fact that they used the phrase besmirching their honour because I think more and more in press releases we should talk like 19th century gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would, I would like us to, I would like us to say, uh, forthwith, Rangers shall no longer be accepting any of this sort of nonsense, and in, and invite Wraith Rovers for some fisty, uh, fisty uh this Saturday at Ibrox, that sort yes. of thing. To do the whole thing, you know, Messrs Weir and Warburton strongly deny these allegations. Yes, uh, and um, forsooth, uh, Sir David of Weir was was much chagrined. By these baseless <laughs> accusations, uh, and uh, should Eric Drysdale wish to take him up on that, then he will be uh, masticating through a straw. And uh, we'll follow the, uh, the the boxing rules of 103 yeah, rounds. That's it, Marcus of Queensbury style. Davy yeah. can belt him with a glove, and then we'll, we'll just take him on the centre circle. Uh, it was pathetic. And what I thought was funny was I don't think Ryan Hardy features in that match. By the way. Uh, Wraith don't do it and I, I like the fact that Warbs did that as purely alright get it up them and the cheer from the fans was superb because it was the, the, the thing I liked about it was and, and this is so, you know I don't like giving you compliments because fundamentally I don't like you but I genuinely you don't like me but you release. you love me you want to be me that's the problem I, I, I read that press release thinking you had written it yeah. and and I was just like that's that to me is as a fan exactly what our response should be and, and the really clever bit in it and again, this is something that previous regimes wouldn't have touched with a barge pole, was actually mentioning Wheels' international ca- record. Yeah, 70 caps, yeah. Talking about the fact that, are you really going to say that this guy, this guy wants to... Wants to uh, hurt the Scottish, you know, hurt, any hurt Scottish the, national the, team. Really? Do you uh, know what I mean? Given no. how well he's represented them and... and, and, and that was very clever, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, speaking of not liking to give opportunities to to people, I'm afraid I'm going to have to give one to young Cameron Bell because we're going to come back and this week we're going to talk a little bit about international football. No Scott, so no Sport Integrity Award this week. Well, there is. It's going to Eric Drysdale, obviously. Um, so you win it, but no Romanian. This week we're going to talk about international football and we're going to we're going to have to listen to Cammy orally masturbate. But uh, yeah, coming up after after the music, yep, international week. Newer listeners may not know that when we first started, you go back and listen to the early pods. Now they're, they're kind of like artifacts. Listening to the Beatles' first album compared to the you know Sgt Pepper era, the the these historical curios. You know, it just takes you back to when we first first started the pod. And Cami would feature, and at the time, Cami was unashamedly in love with uh, a Rangers player time, Kyle Lafferty. Now this was despite having watched him play and Cammy would come on every week and defend Kyle Lafferty uh, after you know yet another insipid performance or a stupid quote in the press or him being a big gangling dick uh, and he would get quite upset Scott's favourite at the time was Moedu because as we all know Scott is a thing about uh, rugged African American men uh, my favourite was Stephen Naismith and I maintain he was a good player just turned out I'm a shy judge of character uh, but Cammy this was your week, David. It, it, those are the even better to continue to use a Beatles reference. That is probably the best music I could ever hear. Is to hear you scoffing down the humble pie 
Wonderful, wonderful times. I would scoff down Kate Humble's pie, the presenter of (laughs) if that opportunity ever arose. Uh, if that opportunity ever don't be so homophobic Cal. we already had your I'm race not, I'm, we I'm already had your you. race hate hatred of El Hadj's Jeff. If, if you liked women or humans I was actually going to say but yeah well true um, to be fair people you know I, I love women I've been married to two so far my mother is a woman and I quite liked uh, a Smith song that Kirsty McCall sang on and in your youth you actually spoke to a woman when you had to ask her to get you to cross the street? <laughs> uh, no, I think you'll find that, uh, yes, yeah, yeah I, I like women. I mean, they're not as good as real people, but the, the for what they're there for, they're, you know, they're perfectly serviceable. Right, David, stop trying to move off the point. Let's come back to how you're a shit judge of character. Cameron and the Black Skull is just the perfect combination. Uh, tell the listeners what he did this week for those who don't follow international football. So aside from you know his his, his proven status as a top Rangers player, and we should come back if we get time in the pod to probably put out a vote to what stand we're going to name after him at Ibrox. Uh, Lafferty scored the 93rd minute winner, uh, winner sorry equaliser um, for the Northern Ireland campaign. Northern Ireland currently sit top of their group and need, um, I think, either a point or a win in their next two games uh, in order to qualify for uh, Euro Championships next year, yeah. which will be um, a phenomenal achievement for uh, for our wee country. Now, he's pretty much single-handedly fired the goal. The whole team's worked hard if you watch much international football. Northern Ireland don't have any star players. Now, we say that about Scotland, but Northern Ireland really don't have any star players with the exception of maybe Steve Davis and uh, and him and what Michael O'Neill has done with him in this campaign is fantastic yes they've been helped by the fact that Greece uh, not only as a country but as a footballing nation have utterly imploded which took out one of the contenders but Northern Ireland already to be guaranteed a playoff spot and more than likely to, to, to achieve automatic qualification it's an astonishing run is and, and it's all joking aside, that obviously Lafferty is the bag of shit. But the thing is, um, it, it's been a phenomenal effort by the majority of the home nations in terms of how well they've done for the qualification. Um, and irrespective of your feelings towards the Scotland national team aside, because obviously it, it can be quite a divisive subject, it would have been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, if we managed to get to the European Championships and all four home nations had qualified. Well, it's still not... I mean, I think England are through. Wales uh, will get through. Their last home, uh, last matches at home against Andorra. So yeah. Wales are going to go through. Northern Ireland, you know, uh, as my dad, my dad's Northern Irish, a lot of farming Northern Irish, and as they've said to me, they've seen this go to itself several times. <laughs> so they're not counting their chickens, but I think it's likely Northern Ireland will go through. Scotland... It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough because there's going to be some decent nations in the playoffs and there's no guarantee we're going to get to the playoffs. So, you know, it is going to be a bit of a beamer should Scotland, even though Scotland had a terribly tough group, if all the home nations get there bar Scotland, that is going to be just dreadful for um, the members of the Tartan Army to sit and watch that next year. It will be, and in actual fact, I was talking about that an end of mine, and um, I felt a little bit like when you 
I feel as if that Scotland, the last couple of Scotland games are a bit like watching Rangers back probably even, probably around the kind of McLeish era, where you'd go away in Europe and you'd be absolute shit. And then you'd probably watch a, like, a domestic game and you'd be fantastic and you'd get a great result and all the rest of it. But because you've lost that game or because you had a draw in that game away from home... It didn't matter. It, it's, it's spoiled it all, do you know what I mean? Um, and, and that's where it's... it's it must be incredibly frustrating for the Tartan Army fans. I felt a little bit peeved on their behalf when I when I saw the thing that Strachan did, you know, the whole, yeah, well, now we've got eye watches and all that shit. I just thought that was quite disrespectful to, to punters who had actually spent a lot of money making the investment to go over and make the trip and all that kind of stuff when mm-hmm. um, ultimately that's, that's the games you need to get results in. It's not at home against Germany. It's not. It's games where you've got to go away and you've got to churn out a result and get something from it. And see these these countries like Wales and all that. That's what they've done. That's what they like a ninety third minute uh, equaliser against Hungary and all. That's the kind of stuff that you have to do. You've got to look at your group and say, right, okay, World Cup champions, guys who are two or three gears above us. Let's let's just call that a bye. Let's just forget about them. And that's where we then need to get out decent results. And and fundamentally, these players haven't turned up for it. I think it's so frustrating in that. The two performances again, it was so Scotland, two good performances, no points, you know, and I, I think everybody would agree it'd be better to be absolutely battered than one of the games and sneak a draw, you know, uh, two great performances, and they were great performances, uh, battling, hard working, they were a bit unlucky, I don't think they were unlucky in the 3-2, were we a bit unlucky in the 2-1, I don't think they were unlucky in the 3-2, because... The fact is, is that Germany were totally in control. We worked hard, but you can't claim. I hate when teams, smaller teams, do that. They go, "We worked hard. We deserve something." No, they had all the ball. They had all the the control of the match. They deserved their win, right? But you know, they had good results against Ireland. They got that away draw in Poland. If they can then get a home result against Poland, you're then looking at the, all those matches and saying we should qualify. You know, because our two rivals are Ireland and Poland. And we've got a good head-to-head against them. Yeah, hopefully. But, I mean, I think it will. If any country will ever do it the hard way, it will be Scotland. Yeah. Um, on, that, on, that, uh, on that, you know, Wales are obviously blessed with a couple of genuinely world-class players. Well, one definite in Bailey, one, I think, potentially on his day in Ramsey. Um, but what's, what interests me is that Bale, big player for Wales, turns up. I mean, he does generally turn up for them. Uh, Kyle Lafferty has a bit of the David Healy about him in that maybe not every week at club level, but by Christ, he can get up for it when he needs to for international. Does Scotland really have that player that turns up and, and is better than he is for his club? I, I don't know. I mean, I, your, your point's perfectly valid regarding that probably that degree of patronism. Bale has it in spades. He is... I think that no matter who Bale plays, no matter where Bale plays at a club level, he will always want to represent Wales and see Wales at a major tournament. And it's it's he's a fantastic asset for them. No, absolutely agree. Right, Cammy, I know you've got stuff on. So uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, forcing me to eat my share of, of Humble's pie. You okay? Uh, absolutely brilliant. So, ladies and gentlemen, Cameron James Bell. Always nice to hear from Cammy. Uh, thank you for Sibo for joining us. Oh, wait a minute. Sibo, Subo. They both come from Livingston. And both of them were virgins until they met Dingwall. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think we should be told. Has anyone ever seen the two of them in the same room? But uh, it is always good to hear from Cammy, and it's always good to hear from you. Yes, the ordinary folk, the little people, the minions, the rank and file. I like to hear from you. I'll just make sure you're okay, uh, that you're doing out there in, in Rangers world. And uh, you can get in touch with the various ways. You can follow us on Twitter, Ibrox Rocks, on the Twitter, R-O-C-K-S. You can follow Scott if uh, sidekicks are your thing. And he's at Scott Harthand. So that's a nice simple one that uh, no one can mess up with and you can also come and talk to us on Facebook we're on Facebook page just Heart Hand Rangers Podcast and you can email us ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk first up uh, from Ross absolutely loved Halliday running for the ball as it went 5-0 and planting it on the centre spot for the retake the staunch is dripping out of him can't really disagree with that and it was just such a lovely if you wanted anything that just said what this team's about it was that moment and yeah it was for sure but it was brilliant and he gets it I mean he really does get what it means to us to be sitting in the stand watching stuff like that and uh, more power to him uh, Alan he said uh, I have no fear about the cold winter nights uh, as it's all in the deck three months in incredible can't disagree with that uh, we had Geoffrey saying I think I spent a lot of the day just watching with a glacier smile on my face hmm. day a week we'll lie on it mate so, uh, but no uh, I get that we were all just sitting going this is, this is absolutely incredible this is just unbelievable I think I'll, that uh, this Rangers team are a little bit when you fart at Christmas silent but violent I'm not sure I quite get that that's from Robert but uh, hmm, hmm. Robert sounds a, a guy you want to avoid in a lift Alex Hood says, this is what it's all about. We're getting the next generation of supporters on board. Yeah, that is really important because we were losing a generation of supporters uh, watching the rubbish that we're watching and just the all-pervasive mood at the club. Um, talking about rumours that uh, Ali McCoy's might be heading back to Kilmarnock. Now, few people are saying that, oh, you know, Ali, the money and all the rest of it. And it is tough at the moment. And listen, no one slagged him off as a manager more than me. But at the end of the day, that will fade and we'll be left with 355 goals. And I wouldn't like to think that his current doghouse status with the Rangers supporters will last forever. But I can understand, and I'm not telling you if that's your opinion, I'm not telling you you're wrong, because I can absolutely understand where you're coming from on it. It is hard when you see the the change and the professionalism and all the stuff we should have been doing. I'm not a big one for looking back the way and uh, don't look back in anger, as followfollow.com's favourite band once sang. But, oh, I was there incidentally the first night they played that song. Noel Gallagher played it acoustically, first time ever. Uh, I was at that gig, he said, this is a new one, and I thought, that's quite good. Uh, and I was right until it was overplayed, and now you can't hear pissed men over the age of 30 on a night out. They, they, that's the song, that's the one they go for, that friggin' Wonderwall um, ruined so many teenage parties for me because there was always some dick with long hair that would get an acoustic guitar and just start playing it when you were completely out of your face and wanted something banging um, or at least something. I wanted the Ramones you all knew I was going to say that I wanted but something with a bit of life and then there's some sort of proto-hipster wank sitting going there's always girls kind of sitting and I'm going oh that's lovely and, you're like, oh, and the thing is people say oh you're just jealous I'm not no, those type of girls you do not want to get and you at best a smelly finger uh, and just lie there like a sack of potatoes it's it's a rule everyone knows that mental girls better in bed fact uh, right well that's pretty much everything from us here on Heart and Hand this week we have another fixture coming up next week we will be back next week as I say sorry for the delay oh and before I go people have asked why aren't you talking about the arrests we can't 
we had actually recorded a, a big chunk of pod last week and realised after the arrests and the charges were made that, that, that we couldn't. It's really not worth the risk. Uh, the, the court service have put out stuff on social media, which I don't ever remember them doing before, saying not to talk about this case, and, and we're not running the risk. The last thing I think any Rangers fan would want would be subjudice causing any delay. All I will say is that, like every Rangers supporter, I think that this is a validation of beliefs that we've long held about what went on, and I think like every Rangers supporter, we want to see justice served. I also would hope that the rest of Scottish football would want to see justice served. And I also think that after losing their collective human decency and taking their hatred of a club and their parochialism to uncomfortable levels in the last few years, they might just take a step back and see that a lot of ordinary people's football club, a lot of ordinary people's most important thing in their life, just working guys uh, like them, was raped by people who had no business had no business doing it. From a from a corporate standpoint, and certainly that's what it looks like from the outside. And we feel that we've watched something that we love be attacked. And instead of jumping on the bandwagon and jumping on our throats, which is what a lot of people who are too consumed by hate to to just look inside and see what they would have felt had it been their club. The thing is, I've heard people say you would have done the same had it been us. No, we wouldn't have. And I, I absolutely guarantee that we might have made a joke, we might have done this or that. We wouldn't have. Look at when Celtic had their troubles. Look at when Motherwell, etc., found themselves in front of Rangers fans. Didn't rush to put the boot in. That's not who we are, uh, and it still isn't. Uh, if it happened in our club tomorrow, we certainly wouldn't help. I think previously you might have been able to call on us for help. We certainly wouldn't help, but we certainly wouldn't rush to to, to stick you in the gutter. And maybe it's just because we're a bit better than that. I don't know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think if you were to look at the evidence of the last few years, you'd see it. So, justice for the Rangers support and uh, hard, tough justice for those who deserve it. Uh, my name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers, bye. This show is brought to you in association with Labbrooks for all your betting needs. With a new site design and great prices, it's our preferred bookie. New members can get a free match bet up to £50 when you sign up and use the code LAD50. Check on site for details at labbrooks.com. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.